Hello and welcome to the Intentional Grounding Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your co-host, Noah Downs. I'm here with my other co-host, because I cannot co-host by myself, Luke Bisson. How are you doing, Luke? Doing good. How about you? I am doing great. You know, it, it is in Richmond, at least. It has rained every single day since Prince died, and today it finally did not rain. That's a long time. It's literally rained. It's a lot. It's really freaking soggy outside. Oof. Yeah. So, but um, so today we have an exciting podcast. We're going to go over some news and notes. We have a new segment for you called the Common Denominator. And Ta-da. then, da- no, don't don't use that ESPN <laughs> sound. I swear to God, we'll get sued. <laughs> I'm an intellectual property attorney. I, I, I literally, I, I literally just zipped my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll have news and notes. The Common Denominator. Shut up, Luke. And then, mm-hmm. folks. We're going to have our first guest on the podcast. We're going to keep it a secret for now who it is. What? But this person is high profile. Whoa. Showing that this – having this person on the podcast shows that we have made it as a podcast. <laughs> we, we have made it. We have made it. And also, it means that you as listeners have made it as well. Uh, I also want to take this second before we hop into everything to thank everyone out there who has listened to our podcast um, I gave you some stats last time we had a podcast, and since then, I want to let you know that this podcast has listeners in 696 cities and 22 countries worldwide. Whoa. Yeah. I hope you're clapping for yourself, because I am. Oh, I am. Yeah, um, but we literally could not have done it without you, folks. I really appreciate everything you've done. Uh, let's go ahead and plug it real quick. You can follow me at... Uh, at grounding ff on twitter you can follow luke at intentional underscore g on twitter um you can also check out any of our stuff on uh intentional grounding and you can send us emails at intentional grounding at gmail.com please follow us on twitter please check out our website and please 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 share us with your friends if you like us and if you don't like us share us with your enemies while we have some downtime in the next couple of weeks, uh, I am going to attempt to get uh, rankings full on up on our site. So rankings. Sure, Are we going to sure be able to get an ADP up there too? Uh, we can try. You know, I mean, I've been doing some ADP work, so I could try to throw something together. But yep. uh, I know our guest has been doing some ADP work as well. Yes, he has. Yes, yes he, he has. has. Or she has. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> but we don't. We don't want to give anything away yet. Yeah, don't give anything away. Hold the door. Um. <laughs> So, uh, (laughs) all right, so moving on to news and notes. So there's this guy, and he's not really important for fantasy, but it's kind of been slow. Um, But this guy is not really important for dynasty fantasy football. Um, He had some surgery recently. His name is Sammy Watkins. Have you heard of him? I have. Uh, You've heard of Sammy Watkins. I have. Apparently he's important. Yeah, and I have him in a lot of leagues, and uh, honestly, though, I am not too concerned about this news. Oh, yeah, so the news is that he underwent surgery last month, not this month, but last month, to have pins inserted in his broken foot. We're not talking like push pins like you take out of your shirts when you buy them from Kohl's, but instead um, actual pins to hold his foot together. Um, Doug Whaley, who is the Bills GM, said he is expected to return in time for week one. Um, but he might not be able to participate in uh, off-season team activities. Is that what that is? Yeah, OTAs. Yeah. 
um, and uh, or in the preseason. So he's going to be a little rusty. He's going to be taking the rust off of himself with these pins, and hopefully the pins aren't rusty because that could lead to gangrene. Um, and that's a joke. And uh, but uh, so, what do you think about Sammy Watkins having surgery on his foot, buddy? Like I said, I mean, I'm not concerned about it. What I'm looking at, you know, is basically if he can be back for the first game and everything, it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. He is the type of player that is able to come back, and he he's not going to need weeks on weeks to get back in the shape or anything like that. He'll be good to go. Uh, my only concern is that when he does come back, is he going to suffer a setback from this initial injury? You know, because he does have soft tissue issues. Soft tissue issues. Um, so he could have something, you know, that's a cause and causality of this. But I think that I'm going to be optimistic and, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I, I think we'll be back and we'll be fine. Honestly, what I think this means is that the other receivers on the um, Bills depth chart kind of opens up another spot for them, in my opinion, at least at the beginning of the season. Which means that my boy, Jared Boykin... Yeah, Boykin might have another shot at making the roster with his boy Tyrod. Go Tyrod, go Hokies. We we got to figure out a board bet on that because uh, you know, you could basically give me anything and I take something against you on him. You take anything against Jared Boykin? We'll have to see. You're a heathen. <laughs> All right, how about let me think about this. Um, I say if Jared Boykin makes the Bills team, he has more fantasy points than. Leonard Hankerson. Oh my God! Okay, hold on. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know what you want to make. You got to throw it down I'll, on me. <laughs> I, I will throw it down on you on our next podcast. All right, sounds good, folks. If you're, uh, you know, go ahead and send in some board bets that we could possibly do about Jared Boykin. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start the hashtag Team Boykin. Team Boykin. Um, hashtag Team Boykin. So, uh, moving on in notes. I, I oh, by the way, I agree that this doesn't really affect Sammy Watkins. If you can buy him low, I've seen a lot of people able to buy him low right now. Go ahead and do it. Absolutely. Um, but it's like, it's not very much of a discount because everybody is kind of on the up and up about this. So, next news: Ladarius Green, the fantasy hopeful that never actually produces, uh, underwent off-season ankle surgery, and he will not be able to participate in OTAs. Uh, the surgery did take place in January, and it was a high ankle sprain he suffered last year, that, as opposed to a low ankle sprain. Mm. This is a high ankle sprain, and we hate to see high ankle sprains. Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, frankly, I'm not really high on Ladarius Green anyways. Sure, he, there's a void in Pittsburgh where Heath Miller retired, but, uh, I mean, we also thought that Ladarius Green was going to step up and wow us trying to beat the crypt keeper Antonio Gates, and he didn't. Well, they have to believe in him to some point because I, I believe his contract length was a four-year, twenty million contract, uh, twenty million contract, and so I think that they have some belief in him, especially since they gave him that contract while he was injured with his high ankle sprain. Uh, but that being said, I read reports today talking about how they're planning to run the Joker set, where the two tight end set uh, mm -hmm. in the red zone and everything. So that way they can get both him and Jesse James out there. The outlaw, pow, pow. <laughs> you know, I thought I thought personally that Jesse James was going to be more of a your blocking tight end, yeah, which he's he still may, you know. But uh, in the red zone, anything can happen. 
You know? So I don't think anybody's going to be able to replicate the, the reliability that you had with Heath Miller. Heath Miller, although he wasn't a world beater, he wasn't going to win you any games. He wasn't going to lose you any games. Right. With yeah, Ladarius a- Green, he might win you a couple of games, and I think he's a good best ball target. Yeah. But in terms of day-to-day setting your lineup and daily fantasy, I think he is utterly unreliable, and I will probably not have him in any league. Well, none of us know what he, you know, he had a couple of good games while Gates was out, you know? Yeah. But but what did he really do during his time there, and why didn't they focus on keeping him? He sat on the bench. You know, so those are my concerns with it. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, and the narrative overwhelmingly seems to be that he's going to do great things in Pittsburgh. I'm just not on board with that yet. I've actually seen people get a first for Ladarius Green. So have I. Yeah, I, and so if you can sell at Aries Green for a first, I think you cash out and don't look back. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I would. I, I mean, I'd sell him for a, a low to mid second. The 201 uh, to 206 range is where I'd probably put him. All right, well, I, I'm... You can sick. disagree. Fine, go for it. Uh, the lowest, I'd go, me, lowest, lowest I'd go is 202. 202. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. You know, if, if I have to go any lower than that, I might as well hold on and go for the ride. Right, I understand that. Um, and obviously, if your scoring is different, like if you're in a tight end premium league, then oh, then yeah, then he, he's a first different. rounder. But I mean, but basically, your top man, you're, if if you have tight end premium and, and you have a flex that allows you to play a tight end, your top twenty four tight ends are basically first rounders. Yeah, exactly. So, but I would I would definitely say in in your normal, your average league, you're probably selling him for a first, selling him for an early second, and. Uh, if you're me, you're selling him for a mid-second. If mm-hmm. the person you like at the mid-two is there. Um, so, 2017, though. I wouldn't do that for 2016. Um, right. Next piece of news. Uh, there's another guy. Uh, he's not big impact, though. Um, is Tyler Eifert? Have you heard of him? I think so. He's, he's from that team that's always against my team and always beats me. Oh, the, the Cincinnati Browns or the Cleveland Bengals? <laughs> <laughs> He's a bangle. Yeah, I know. A bangle, as some people <laughs> like to put them. Bangles, not the bangles, guys. That's a good band. Um, so Tyler Eifert might miss the first couple of games, so to speak, uh, uh, due to an ankle surgery that he just had. It was He had a loose ligament on the inside of his foot, um, and the injury was sustained in last year's Pro Bowl, which just goes to show, don't go to the Pro Bowl, kids. Yeah, um, well, look how many people didn't go to the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, I know, and look who did, Tyler Eifert. Look who's going to start the season on the PUP, Tyler Eifert. Yeah. Yeah, so all you people who went out there and bought Tyler Eifert for a first-rounder, don't you look silly. Actually, I think it's another buy low. You I know, okay. if this is any second where you're like, you know, may, can I get in just a little bit lower so that I can snatch him up, now's the time. Yeah, and I I mean, you're going to get a, more, a bigger discount than you would for the Sammy Watkins. I would actually kind of... I bet if you caught somebody really dumb, you could sell them for a low second. Well, I saw rankings come out within hours of this news, and they had him down to their tight end seven. No way, really? Yeah. It went Gronk, Reed, and then a bunch of other guys, and then it was like him at seven and then Ebron at eight. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I want to show this to someone so that I can snatch up Eifert. (laughs) Can I I just – point out that you said Gronk and then Reed and then a bunch of other guys and then Eifert and Ebron 
thus giving us the worst and least useful advice we've done on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying the list, you know, and Gronk and Reed. So okay, you got one and two, and then you got a bunch of other guys. I'm just like, <laughs> well, come on, this is the tight end position. I know. <laughs> Still, it was dumb, Luke. <laughs> no, guys, Tyler Eifert's still a really good tight end on a team that will use the tight end. So he's he's a buy low, but Luke, come on. <laughs> that's, that's my uh, top-notch analysis for the night. Good, good. I'm glad we're doing such hard-hitting fantasy analysis tonight. Um, so the last piece of news we have are that the Miami Dolphins um, – are also as smart as humans. Kidding. Uh, the Miami Dolphins continue to monitor Arian Foster. Um, uh, Foster could be cleared to play in as little as a week. And uh, Miami is expected to make the strongest push for him. Another team involved that may take Foster away from Miami is the New England Patriots, mm. who could be primed for another title run. Yeah, so uh, I think that's a pretty interesting thing, and I—that's why I—I I don't think Ajayi, who has been getting a lot of positive pub in the uh, news lately, I don't think that it's just—you know—he's the given starter. I think that uh, Foster could easily come in and take that role from him if healthy. Well, you know, I will say that um, if I actually, based on this, if if I do think that Matt, that New England is the logical choice for Foster to fall. Mm-hmm. Because he's so versatile when healthy that they could use him in that offense in a numerous roles. Yeah. Well, as an owner of Deion Lewis in a bunch of leagues. You really hope that doesn't happen. I hope that doesn't happen because LeGarrette does not scare me. You know? LeGarrette Foster does. But Foster does. You know, as an owner, actually, if I, as somebody who does not own Deion Lewis, I hope that he goes into New England. Because that means I can buy Dion Lewis really low, and then when Arian Foster trips walking into the stadium on week two, I can mm-hmm. start Dion Lewis. Yeah. Foster will <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm so just so dejected right now. <laughs> I know. So what I would go with, uh, I guess what you should take away from this is if you are in a contending team, Foster might even be on your waiver um, you know he's on a lot of waivers in some deep leagues that I'm in, and that you're in. So yeah. I would go ahead and grab him if he's on the waivers, and you, or if you can get him for like a fifth rounder, because he, if you're contending, I mean, what's the loss? You get, a, you lose a fifth rounder. Um, you but, think he'd go that low? You really think he'd go? I mean, I, I know that if I had him, I mean, we we follow along with the news and everything, but if I had him, I wouldn't let him go for less than a late second. Yeah, I could. I, I would take that. I think that more people would value him very low right now. Would take whatever they can cash out for. Okay. I think well, he's at the level of Frank Gore, where like if even though Frank Gore is still the starter for the season, mm-hmm. you're gonna cash out for whatever you can. Okay. Well, let me put it this way: if I was a buyer, uh-huh. I wouldn't want him for any more than like the 304, that range right there. If I was a seller. I would want like the two ten. So I think that's like the. So what you're saying is that zone. in, you don't expect to see very many people trading picks for Aaron Foster. I, yes, I I don't at all. Yeah, <laughs> there's no there's no overlap there between the two ten and three o four. So okay, 
Well, I think that your best chance then is to check your waiver and to see if maybe somebody can you can lowball somebody because you know I wouldn't you know sell that house. I wouldn't rob Peter to pay Paul for a mm. you know a Paul that has you know a broken leg. Yeah, so, if you have a shadow league, he definitely could be there, especially if you're not you know you're only running the four positions. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So uh, moving on from our news and notes, let's move to a new little game that. Luke came up with. Luke yeah. came up with this Austin awesome game, and right now it is uh it Almost is. Did it again? Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> don't do it. Don't use that ESPN sound. We will get sued. Um, seriously, Matthew Barry will come find you. Um, and uh, so the, this game is called the Common Denominator. I think that uh, it's not the lowest common denominator. It's just the Common Denominator. Uh, for those of you who did not take grade school math, that means what you can find commonly. Hey, I had to look it up. Did you really? No. Oh. <laughs> I can see that. Um, <laughs> so uh, in this in this game, it's it's we're trying to identify players that we seem to be getting regularly in our, our dynasty league drafts. Um, obviously, we're not gonna like if if we're not gonna say Zeke because you have to be in a specific position to get him, and we're not also not gonna like say any of the big. Four wide receivers because you have to be in a very specific position to get them. Um, but let's talk about two players that you, Luke, has identified two players. You've identified two players that you have commonly gotten through your 12 dynasty drafts so far. Bravo to you, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard work. Yeah, so uh, go ahead and talk about these two players that you have gotten. Okay, um, mainly the, the two guys that I seem to find the most frequency with. Um, first one is Jonathan Williams. Um, I've been able to get him as high as the uh, 22nd overall pick, uh, which was taken in an earlier draft. I want to say it was like four days after uh, the uh, actual draft ended. And I've been able to take him as low as the 47th overall pick. And, wow, uh, that's a big range. Well, uh, yeah. It, the, the, honestly, the one that was 47th overall, the caveat behind that was that it was a 32-teamer, and I got him at the 215. Uh, uh-huh. So... In situations like that, just kind of sometimes it happens that way. But uh, yeah, out of my twelve leagues, I picked him up seven times, and uh, I'm I'm happy with it. I mean, I know he's stuck, you know, as the third man right now, but I think he's better than Carlos. I think so. he's going to beat out Carlos too, because Carlos had some issues. I mean, Carlos, is, everybody's a lot of hype on Carlos because he actually got playing time last year. Mm. But I, I don't think Carlos is going to be the guy. Um, and frankly, I mean, you could see an easy situation where LaShawn McCoy gets suspended because of uh, the DA looking into the case again. Carlos comes in. Carlos gets injured or Carlos doesn't perform, and Jonathan Williams gets some great significant snaps mm-hmm. this year. And so we – I mean, your your market for Jonathan Williams could shoot up soon. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I, I totally expect it to because in my mind there were three running backs coming out of this draft before they went to where they were going to go right. that I felt could come out and perform as close to a third – as a three-down back as possible. And that third guy was Jonathan Williams with right. uh, Zeke and Booker being the other two. Yeah. So I think um, I think that's good. Where would you where, – where is the point at which you are most comfortable taking him? You have it as early as the 210. Is that it? Uh, no, I if I can get him like at the 302 and beyond. But I mean, in all honesty, though, I could see his ADP start to climb as we get farther and farther into the summer. You I know? think it has already started to climb. 
It, it, it very well could have. I didn't look at um, my ADP differences over the uh, last month before we got on today. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something I'm totally going to be watching as we go forward. Good. So who's the other player? Uh, the other player is a UDFA that uh, was the self-proclaimed best wide receiver in the draft. That's Karis Garrett. Uh, you know, I think they all say they're the best wide receiver. <laughs> I remember Farrell Cooper coming on NFL Network and saying, I'm the best receiver in this draft. And he's not. <laughs> and he wasn't. <laughs> no, I was very surprised that he went to UDFA. You know, he went undrafted. But the nice thing about that happening is that I've been able to get him significantly lower than where I had him on my rankings. You know, I, out of I've been able to basically get him in five of my 12 leagues, uh, as high as the 29th overall pick and as low as the 54th overall pick. Oh, wow. So absolutely in the third round at the earliest then. Right. As as a matter of fact, at the 54th pick in the draft that I took him, I took him at 54 and then next pick I took Roger Lewis at 55. Oh, wait, was that, was that monolith? Um, no, no. no, it wasn't. All right. Sorry. Um, anyways, yeah, I think Garris Garrett is a great talent. Um, do you, what do you think about his role in that offense? Uh, I think that he is. I think he's another big man surrounded by other big men. But oh. I th- anyway, the NFL has big men. <laughs> I, he's a, he's a big wide receiver. And they're not all Darren Sproles. <laughs> they're not all Darren Sproles. They're not all Brandon Cooks. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I see him. Uh, I see him having a role because I think that Devin Funches is not the guy. I get that. I totally get that. And I feel that they're going to, if he can make the team, eventually he's going to supplant Funches, and that's going to be your second part of the Twin Towers. The Twin Towers? Really? <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what they call them on ESPN. I know, but we don't <laughs> follow ESPN. Oh, oh well, I, I, I love the jargon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're trying to get a suit, dude. Stop it. <laughs> So, um, all right. So, I guess the the two, the one player, because I've only I've only had about five rookie drafts so far because my people like to wait. Um, the one, oh shoot, I just lost the paper. There it is. Okay. Um, the one player that I've gotten a lot is Malcolm Mitchell. And you might be asking Noah, Malcolm Mitchell. I don't know anything about him. He went to the New England Patriots. We haven't talked about him yet. Well, here's why I like Malcolm Mitchell. I've gotten him as early as the 2.7 and as late as the 2.11. So it's a small range. Um, it's about the 19th and the 23rd overall pick. But that's right about where I like to see him. As you'll recall, uh, I talked about that area that I'm trading out of, which is like the 2.04 and later. But when I've had a pick um, between the 2.04 and the 3.02, I try to get Malcolm Mitchell because I like him better than a few of the other players there. Um, and let me tell you what's great about Malcolm Mitchell. I could sit here and talk to you about um, his 6.943 cone, and you know that I go gaga for three cone. Uh, I could sit here and talk to you about his 4.4340 yard dash, or how I think that he's going to replace Julian Edelman eventually, especially after Edelman keeps getting injured. But what I think is really important is that Malcolm Mitchell is an intellectual. He is in the Silver Leaf Book Club in Massachusetts. Oh, in Georgia. Um, what? Yeah, he joined a book club. He joined a freaking book club. This guy thinks. He's a thinker. And I think that's really good for his football stock because it's completely unrelated. And um, so I think that 
you should really pay attention to Malcolm Mitchell because not only does he have shifty hips, he's got great hands, he's really speedy from his 40-yard dash, he's on a, a team that will utilize him and has shown to utilize receivers, although not receivers that they've drafted, so that kind of a knock against him. But also, he is in the Silver Leaf Book Club from Georgia, and he's been there since he was in college. And the first book he read there was Me Before You by Jojo Moyes. Mm. Read it. It'll really get you behind the head of this receiver. I, I feel you. You like that hard-hitting analysis? That, that was pretty hard-hitting. Yeah, yeah. So, um... As I'm sitting here, we are about to hop into our uh, our guest, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. But first, we're going to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Good evening. Do you or someone you know have difficulty determining value in Dynasty Fantasy Football Leagues? For instance... Would your friend trade away a first for two seconds? Did your friend draft Teron Beckham in the third round? Would you or your friend consider trading away a first round pick to obtain Nelson Aguilar? If so, you or your friend may be a value blind individual. However, we're here to help. An intentional grounding fantasy football podcast we try and help value-blind individuals figure out their fantasy football life. For as low as $1 a day, you can help other fantasy football individuals escape from their life of mental poverty. For more information, please contact us at intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. Save a value-blind individual today. Back to the Intentional Grounding Fantasy Football Podcast. We are here with our guest, and here's the surprise, folks. His name is Jojo Lewis Mags. He's our first guest ever on the Intentional Grounding Podcast. Uh, you can find his work on the topic of Dynasty at underthehelmetuth.com and his written blog, jojomagsff at wordpress.wordpress.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Jojo L Mags. Just remember, you can pronounce it Jojo Mags. And he also has children. You might hear them in the background. Love them like you love our cuckoo clock and train. How are you doing, Joey? Uh, doing great, man. Thanks for having me. And hopefully, uh, my kids, hopefully, my wife stuffs some ice cream in their face or something so that they can uh, calm down a little bit. Wait, she rewards them with ice cream? Uh, I don't know as rewards as much as puts them on mute. <laughs> <laughs> My wife does the same thing to me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> My yeah. girlfriend just gives me, like, whiskey. Um, <laughs> and it works perfectly. So, <laughs> especially right before a podcast. So, um, <laughs> hopping right into it, Jojo, what, what is your focus in Dynasty? What do you find yourself, uh, what would you say that you're, like, the specialist at? Um, I've been doing more IDP stuff, um, but really I kind of just started as more of a strategist, I guess. Yeah. Um, kind of, um, trying to watch the market, if you will, on players and trying to enter into players when I think they're down, but that they'll kind of rise back up and, 
and doing the opposite with selling players when they when they get a lot of hype. So, um, and the way you say it is like in the game of Dynasty, you either win or you die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. So, so it's kind of just uh, that's mostly what my focus has been. Yeah, is just is strategy, but. Um, in season, I did a fun thing with UTH and do did a lot of DFS um, articles, mm-hmm. and which was a blast. And I'm hoping that the whole DFS thing gets straightened out with the government wanting to get paid. Um, Me both. Yeah, and so far Oregon, I can still play. Uh, it's gonna be a bummer if I can't play, but so far I still can, so that's good. So what's uh, uh, what's your NFL team and what's your college team? NFL. Yeah. Um, I actually don't really have one, to be honest. Um, really? I didn't know that. I. Yeah, I kind of grew up watching the 49ers because that's I'm from the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, that's my dad's team. Um, but I actually didn't start watching football like hardcore like I do now, until like, I don't know, five or six years ago. Wow. You're weird. Yeah. I know, I'm... right? It's kind of like a, it was like a, a late love that I found. I don't know. Sometimes those are the best, though. It's they true. are. It's, it's, it's blossomed well, I'll, I'll say. What is your, what's your <laughs> well, I'd say team? so. You've done quite a few things. I've really enjoyed yeah. uh, reading your uh, your blogs and whatnot. That's true. He's got well, a thank great you. blog. Again, that's at, you can find that at Jojo Mags, J-O-J-O-M-A-G-S-F-F dot WordPress dot com. Yeah, the, the blog's been a lot of fun, um, and it's crazy how much attention it's gotten the last few posts. Oh, really? Um, or to me it is, I guess. I mean, you look at the big sites, and they're getting, like, thousands of hits, and so anytime I get, like, over 100, I'm, like, jumping up and down, and my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got over 100 hits, and she's like, oh, wow, you're kind of not famous yet. Um, <laughs> no, I kid. She she's really supportive about it all, so it's, which has been cool. Um, well, that's good. It seems like there's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah, there's a lot of work. Like I don't know how some of the other guys do it. I've have you guys listened to the Backyard Banter podcast? I Absolutely. Not. Oh, Luke has. Uh, it's it's awesome. I recommend it to everybody. But it's um, there's a lot of fantasy writers who have families and. I can't, and like, the ones that are full-time, obviously they're getting paid to do it, like that's their only job, but there's a large majority of writers that aren't, and so just to be able to dedicate that time and have, and still find time for your family and everything else is, uh, can be like crazy difficult, and I don't even spend that much time doing it compared to other people, so Mm -hmm. I have to like, um, you know, cut things not cut things short, I still put everything into it, but I definitely uh, organize my time accordingly. Oh, yeah, you have, you definitely have to pick your battles between, you know, can I work on this or can I, you know, spend time with the family? You know, oh, man, I got to work today. Yeah. And yeah, I think one of the, one of spreadsheets. That, <laughs> one of the ways that I think that we, Luke and I, have overcome that, because obviously I work a nine-to-six job and Luke is a full-time father. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, because you're awesome. And uh, so one of the ways we've kind of overcome that is we started doing this Grounding on the Go podcast, which are short four- to six-minute podcasts that allow us to talk about 
um, a fantasy topic that we don't necessarily have the time to write out and you know, publish or whatnot. And those have been pretty well received, so make sure you check those out, folks. Um, so I want to go ahead and get into the um, to our interview with JoJo because he's a guest and we want to interview him because he's freaking amazing. Um, so in your current rookie drafts, JoJo, which players do you find yourself drafting the most? Um, so I went back and looked at my drafts, and I've only been uh, I've only done a few. Mm-hmm. And the player that I've owned most is actually um, is Devin Kajust. Okay. Uh, 49ers wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, and I I can just get him late. Like I've gotten him in the you know fifth sixth round, and I just feel like a flyer. I mean, you want to. It's mm-hmm. ideally you grab someone who doesn't have a whole lot of people in front of them, or soon, you know, within the next one, two, maybe three years, mm-hmm. um, isn't gonna have anyone in front of them. So the opportunities there. Yeah, he definitely um, has a lot of opportunity on the 49ers. Yeah, and he's he's a big dude. He probably would do better as like a move tight end or um, somebody who's just gonna you know, catch, catch shorter things. Um, cause I don't, he's not really super athletic. Like I don't foresee him beating corners down the sideline or anything like that. Um, but he's a huge dude. And so it's just kind of a late round, you know, one of my flyer guys that I can grab, um, without really worrying too much about having to trade back or trade up to get him. And that's, if I'm going to have a lot of exposure to a person, Mm-hmm. I kind of like it to be a later round guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you like to diversify early on? Yeah, there's like, even with the top three wide receivers, right? So you have Treadwell, Doxon, uh, Coleman, however you want to organize those. Mm-hmm. I think I only have, I have one share of Doxon, and I think that's it. Because a lot of those picks, either early on I didn't want to trade up, or if I had them, uh, a couple of them I traded out of um, during the season. So, like, I traded out of what ended up being one, what was it? It was an early first, and I got Kevin White and something else. Um, oh, wow. And so, given, you know, how everything played out, I'm, I'm happy with it. For a little Absolutely. bit, I was like, oh, man, this could suck pretty hard. But um, <laughs> it, it all, you know, to me, it panned out. I gotta tell and, you, dude, you really hit on something with Devin Kajust. I, one thing I really like about him, and Luke will back me up on, you know, my my crush, and you know about this. Do you know what his three cone drill is? Uh, <laughs> I had it in front of me, but I don't right now. It's a six four nine. Yeah. He has uh, a wow. sub six five three cone. Yeah. Yeah, I won't argue with that. <laughs> That's I mean, insane. when you can get somebody that has something like that, you know, has it. Oh, sorry, as my mic moves. Yeah, you're fine. Um, you're you know, has one, you know, high-performing attribute, especially when it's a three cone. Yeah, he. I mean, his his three cone is are his three cone is the same numbers as his height. He's six four with a six four nine three cone. <laughs> like he's two hundred thirty four pounds. You just don't see big dudes with that kind of wiggle and although they say he's a subpar athlete for his position i i think that he wow you've really hit on something i think that's great where what's the earliest you would take him um 
I don't know. Uh, I guess the earliest I have taken him is, let's see, in our in the FFJ league that we're in together. Yeah. I took him at six ten. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah, like he was still there, and I was like, um, okay, well, yeah, I definitely <laughs> want this. Uh, he fell off my lap. Thank you. Um, man, I'm if I'd to... known about that three cone, he would not have been there for you. Uh, let's see here. In, oh, in the Buck Nasty League that I play in, which is a bunch of sharks, um, like uh, the guys from the Dynasty Playbook are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Justin Hustis and 14 Team Mocker are in there. Oh, wow. uh, I got him at uh, 602 in that league. Um, so, really, I mean, maybe late fifth. Uh, if there's not, you know, a key guy that I'm looking at, but he's really one of my targets, so probably late fifth. On. So the earliest you would take him is about a late fifth. You'd feel bad about like an early fifth or a late fourth. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, because I mean, though that's where you draft DJ Foster. Is he a uh, priority target for you on uh, waivers, uh, post draft? Uh, yeah, if I can. Because okay. he sure as heck is for me right now. Six yeah, I mean, if I count. if I don't already own him and he's on waivers, then yeah, I'm probably going after him. Yes. Okay, he's got a six four nine three cone. Luke, we don't mess with that. Like that's insane. I, um, I, I totally, I'm I'm on board with that. You know, <laughs> sign me up. I just wanted to know if, because uh, I mean, I know like if there's guys that I'm targeting and we get to the end of the draft and they're still there. I mean, if I have space or if I have last year's trash on my league or on my team still, you know, I I love waivers right after the draft. Yeah, I yeah. totally get that. I might actually grab him in our monolith lake, Luke, so good luck with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving on. Uh, so, Joe, Joe, let's talk about some of the ideas that you've talked about in uh, Observation 18, which is a post on your blog, and uh, also Observation 19. Just kind of give an overview of them, and hopefully I don't steal your thunder by giving like a one-sentence overview. Observation 18 is about not following the herd, you know, the herd mentality out of a fear of failing. Um, and observation 19 is about keeping trading methods simple for easy transactions and maintaining the security of your own strategy. Can you talk to us a little bit about those? Now, that could be a 60-minute podcast, but kind of give us the idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so the first one really um, just stems from people on Twitter will put out their their post right about their dynasty trade like who who do you think won this and um and a while back I was thinking you know we have everyone only puts out two options right they put out their side and the other person's side but no one really puts even and so that was kind of like the first thing like well what if what if I think a trade's even like then because I I honestly if I think a trade's even I don't even vote like, yeah, I'll just wait either. for it to be over, and then I'll just look and see who won. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where it initially started, um, was this uh, this fear thing that I kind of noticed, is people really want to win. And and then there's, I know of some people, or I've seen people who will put it out before they make the trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if their side doesn't win, they won't make the trade. And it's like, well, if you were thinking about this, um, about this trade, why were you thinking about it initially? And if you weren't really that sold on it, then that's fine. But if it's players that you want or players that 
have high value that you're not really sold on, so you want to get rid of them, then then you should just do it, right? Yeah. You should you should be able to trust yourself, or um, or if you're following you know someone's ranks on a site, you know, and that's who you always follow, but then all of a sudden, you know, the majority doesn't agree with that. Um, if you've trusted them for however long you have, then you should just keep trusting them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I think we kind of sometimes as owners focus too much on uh, what other people think, and so it kind of makes us afraid to make these trades, even though in the long run they can pan out. Um, just because you lose a trade right now in the eyes of the majority doesn't mean that you're going to have lost the trade at the end of next year or at the end of this year or whatever. And um, sometimes I think it's a, it's to expand on that, it's about planting your flag. It's like saying, you know, I'm going to live or die by this player based on my feelings about it. And even if I'm going against what the majority says, if it turns out great, then I'm a genius. If it fails, then at least I went down on my own uh, decision. Exactly. Like if if I'm gonna run a dynasty team, I want it to be my team. Right. I'm not I'm not spending all the time, uh, you know, going through everything with this team and making it what it is to be playing someone else's team. Right. And right? There's, I a, wanna... there's a difference between um, you know, there's a difference between listening to someone's advice and using it to form your own opinion and just blindly following, you know, Matthew Barry or Chad's ranks. Sorry. Chad. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could, um, yeah, you pick your, out of all the, like, the DLF rankers, and you're like, I'm going to do whatever this guy does, and it's like, well, it's it's your team, like, why, and so why don't you just have your own? Like, yes, definitely use other people's information to your advantage. Right. Um, like, I use a lot of uh, Chad's ranks on UTH just because I know that he puts the time into watching all of those players. Right. And he's the one that puts in the time to enter in all the me- the metrics for his formulas and stuff. I, I love how he segregates between being a contender and being a rebuilder. Yeah. One of my favorite things out there. He, uh, yes, the rebuilding thing is kind of interesting because, so it used to be, the ranks used to be contending ranks and rebuilding ranks. Mm-hmm. And um, a while back I wrote about um, that we should be building, not rebuilding. I think it's. I don't think people should be like totally blowing up teams all the time. Okay. Um, and I think people have gotten, uh, or at least the people that I've talked to, have kind of gotten better about that. And I think it was a misconception about UTH about them saying rebuilding because they're like, oh well, if you blow up your team every year, then you're never going to be competing. And so he adjusted it to building. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. That's good. Because. Oh. Because we should be building. Like, you definitely should keep going with your teams. Um, and if you know that you're not going to be contending, if you know you don't have or another team in your league is dominant and you know that they've got a lot of dominant pieces, then, yeah, you should be building. You should be working to win, you know, in two years or in one year as opposed to trying to go all out and selling everything to win this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And so Go ahead. So, yeah, I was uh, go ahead and finish your thought. I was going to talk about 19. Oh, um, I was just going to say, with with all of that, um, you should still be building your own team. 
mm-hmm. and not worry too much about what groupthink is or you know what what a trade calculator says because a lot of the times there's no context in any of that right um and so you know your league you know the people that you're playing with and then you know how you feel about the players i don't want to have a team full of players that i don't like or players that i don't like to watch you know there's um i definitely do have teams with players on them that i don't really care for but if they get me points then that's why i have them mm-hmm. at the same time though i want to have guys that i enjoy watching like everyone enjoys watching the star players but even if like kajust you know i'm going to be super stoked if i see him score a touchdown in a game and so i want to have players like that where um where i enjoy watching them too and i don't know i just don't i don't think that the the think tank the big think tank should dictate your team i agree with that yeah and i um to kind of go along with that i mean that i mean there's there's a difference between seeing players that you want to watch in pure homerism but at the same time like for me, I really love seeing you know Kendall Fuller get an interception or something like that because he's a Hokie. So it, there's an element of this is a player that you plant your flag in, and if he also happens to be on a team you like or from a college you like, that's a bonus. Exactly. Yeah. So moving on to your other observation, observation 19, as found on your blog on jojomagsff.wordpress.com. Um, that's about keeping trading methods simple. Can you kind of give us an overview of that? Yeah. Um, this was kind of sprung by two different interactions with different owners. Um, one where the other owner was really, really trying to sell me on the players that uh, that he was you know, giving to me and the players that he wanted from me, like just totally downplaying. Like, oh, neither of these guys might, you know, they might be losing their jobs. And, you know, there's, there's no way that, they're not going to be in a committee or he's going to get downgraded to a two or a three. Like he's not going to be a one. It's like, okay, so then why are you trying? Like if, if you really feel that way, why are you trying to get these players for me? Um, and then another, uh, owner sent, sent me a request and then revoked it and sent me a request and like 20 minutes later revoked it and sent me one and revoked it. Did that like six times. And I was at work and I'm like, I finally text him real quick and I was like, dude, I can't look at them that quick. Like I work on cars for a living, so <laughs> my phone is on my phone's on my bench. Like I don't, I can't be at a computer all the time, right? Uh-huh. Um, and so I was like, just give me a couple hours. You know, I'll I'll look at it at lunch, and I'll let you know what I'm thinking. Um, and then, so I looked at it at lunch, and I wasn't really sure. Um, and he like messaged me right away, like while I was on my lunch break, like, so what do you think? And I was like, okay calm down a second like I'll get to it in a minute like I'm not really sure I'm still kind of weighing things out um and then between that and the end of the day there was like three more trade offers sent and revoked and I was like come on like I don't I just I I don't I guess I don't operate like that when I go and send a trade I try to find one what I think they'll see as fair and sometimes it you know that can blow up in my face like I'll be thinking about a trade for a while and then I'll send it and they're like this isn't even close and I'm like oh well I guess I read you wrong which is fine um and I just spend more time trying to find the right trade so that it's accepted the first time yeah I've had I feel like I've had more success with only one back and forth or an instant accept than I have with like 
days of trying to trade um, or, you know, a bunch of back and forth like, oh, well, maybe if you add this and it's like, no, I don't really want to add that. But what if I add this? And like, no, I don't want that piece. You know, mm-hmm. it's like sp- spend the time for the initial offer to be a good offer. You know, keep it and and don't worry about explaining everything. Like if they're paying attention, they know who's on their team. They don't need you to tell them about the history of their team and how their players performed and what they could do and, uh, you know, contract situations and stuff. If they're paying attention, they should already know all that. And even if, even if they're not paying attention, if you send it to them, they're probably just going to look on Roto World and figure out what's going on too. Right. Yeah, right. You know, you if they're not paying attention, then that's exactly right. So you just, you know, you spent all this time researching these players and then you just blabbed it to them and just totally blew it. Like... You know, maybe they weren't paying attention, and if you wouldn't have said anything, they would have just been like, oh, yeah, we could do that, and hit accept, but now they're going to do their research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of, by over-explaining things, by going a little bit too far, you tip your hand um, to them. And I, uh, in my writing, even, I am tend to be long-winded like I am right now and <laughs> go too far, right? Um and just kind of like kill it. And so this, there's a book that I'm reading um, called The Accidental uh, Creative. And part of it is about keeping things simple. So that's where that mathematical mm-hmm. problem comes for, mm-hmm. or comes from in the article. The, it's one plus one equals nine times three divided by three divided by three minus one. And so, you know, both times you get two. But one is way more complicated than the other one. Right. I, I so I'll tell you, Jojo, you know, when I signed up to do fantasy football, I was told there would be no math. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Let the computer do all the math for me. Exactly, uh, right? I got a follow-up question regarding trades real quick. Uh, what, for you, is your favorite type of trade? Like, are you a guy that likes to put out a, a trade X player for a fifth rounder to everybody or do you prefer to like be more intimate and just work with one trade partner at a time um, I more work with one person at a time I know that um, I know a lot of people that will like put out a ton of trade offers like they'll go through every team and be like okay I'll give this guy for these players on this team or these players on this team and just hope one of them accepts um, I tend to spend a little bit more time on it than that mm-hmm. or maybe it's not more time but um more focused effort more, yeah more trying to find the one you know find the pieces that i really really want and then go after that i gotta um, say jojo i mean luke's here talking about you know intimate trades and you never offered me an intimate trade and i've never accepted an intimate trade from you so i feel like we're not even close <laughs> i mean was it me no, no, not at all. Um, well, I, our intimate train that we did last year for D'Angelo Williams, D'Angelo Williams turned into my Leonte Carew. So, oh, there you go. I'm happy. That's a win. <laughs> you two can get intimate like right now. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So I just, to yeah. me, it just seems easier or yes. more simple to just offer the trade to send something that you think is going to be worthwhile to them mm-hmm. um, and not and not tip your hand. I mean, that's really that's really the thing that you can run into is, okay, well, he just went through all that explaining, so now I know he really wants these players, so I'm going to make him pay up for it. Exactly. You know? 
That makes sense. The, the only time that I find myself doing multiple um, uh, people, offering multiple trades for the same player or pick is uh, during rookie draft season. And that's basically just because when I'm valuing, when I'm trying to value a player that's on the board still, I will sit there and I'll, I'll try to find a range that I want to get into to get the guy. But besides yeah. that, I'm usually, I aim at one person as opposed to a bunch. Agreed. Yeah, and I think in draft, it's, there's kind of different, like, trading seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there's definitely, like, a pre-draft, you know, trading season. Like, where after the NFL draft and we know where players are are at, um, the ADP kind of gets, com- it gets completely reset. And so it kind of starts a new trading season where, okay, you know, these players are going to be in this range and that's kind of where I want to be. Uh, and in that case, in that you know, a couple weeks leading up to your draft or week or whatever. could even be a couple days after the NFL draft and your rookie draft. Um, If there's a range that you know you want to be in, and I definitely see value in offering a trade to multiple owners Mm -hmm. and just hoping that one of them takes it. Mm -hmm. The problem is with sending a bunch at the same time is say you sent out an offer for uh, like 109, 110, and 111 mm-hmm. and the 111 accepts it first but the 109 would have accepted if you had given them another 20 minutes i have fallen victim to that quite a few times i that's why for me i always send out one at a time and work my way backwards mm-hmm. yeah and that's what i do um and i know that there i know some people definitely do more of a shotgun uh spread approach where they'll offer it to multiple people at the same time they're like stormtroopers. Uh, they shoot all over the place and sometimes don't hit. Yeah. And I actually, was it, I think it was last year, somebody offered me a trade, um, and I was at work, so I couldn't get to my phone. And uh, I, when I saw it, it had already they had already accepted another trade um, with another owner that had a pick, like two or three picks after mine. And I would have accepted the trade. So they would have gotten, you know, a better pick if they had taken mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they We're probably offered it to the whole league or, you know, half the league at once, right. you know, he ended up taking a worse trade. So mm-hmm. I think it's more worth your time to go one at a time than it is to just offer it to everyone. Unless you're just with players, if you're trying to just capitalize on hype, and you really, like, you don't want this player on your team. You want somebody else. And so it's like, okay, I don't really care who I get as long as it's within this range. Um, if you look at it as tiers, then maybe that's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, but even then, I would rather just start with my highest. And work like, your way down. And mm-hmm. then work my way back or down, yeah. So taking this wonderful segue about talking about trades, let's play a little game called Did Luke Make the Trade? Um, and so on the hot seat here, we have Luke Bisson, our co-host, and we ask, did Luke make the trade? It's very self-explanatory. So the first one, and I don't know the answers to these. Apparently, JoJo knows the answers to one of them. But um, let's look at the first trade we have here. Did Luke make the trade? Jarek McKinnon for the 203. What do you think, JoJo? Um... This is the one that I know the answer to. Damn it. 
All right. Well. Um, so you go. You say it, and then. Okay. So I think that Luke did make the trade. That was some confidence right there. Was yes. total confidence. <laughs> Luke. Luke made the trade. Plant your flag. Luke made the trade. I I, I totally made that trade. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, not to uh, contradict what you said earlier, because I totally agree with you about putting stuff on Twitter, but just for the sake, I wanted to know what the Twitterverse thought of the trade, so I did put it up earlier. Um, I did not add um, even, although I will from now on. I think that's a brilliant I idea. That's a great idea. Um, but looking at it, it 55% says that they would stay with Jarek McKinnon, uh, so I went against the grain on that one. Nice. But I am... You know, I'm not confident that in two years, when AP is finally ready to hang up the cleats and everything, that McKinnon's even going to be around. You know, after his 2017 season, his contract is done. Well, I mean, guys, AP's playing until he's 40, so McKinnon really doesn't have a chance. He'll retire before AP's done. It's amazing that he's still on the field. I thought for sure last year he was going to get blown up and just be done for the, for the year. And you know, he was. They call him all day. He's also all night and all year and all life. <laughs> yeah, all forever. All forever. <laughs> all right, but yeah, so that's that one. So with uh, the go ahead. real quick with the with the Twitter polls, I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing people that do Twitter polls because I do them all the time. Oh, because that's um, why I came across it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely there is there is value, and I think that it does feel it does feel good to be feel justified or have some sort of verification when you make a trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think that you should let the group dictate whether you make a trade or not. I think if you want to do a trade, you should just do it because it's your team. Exactly. I, I totally, I totally agree. You know, um, mainly the reason I actually brought it up was because I wanted to point out that you, know, you offered that insight on putting an even option, and to me, I think that that's a beautiful addition because if it's an even thing, you can still make the trade or you can not make the trade. You know, it's even, so what does it really matter? Right. Yeah. So moving on to the second trade, um, Luke. Did Luke make the trade? Keenan Allen. For Jarvis Landry and Carlos Williams, JoJo, what do you think? Um, Allen for Landry and Williams, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, that's an interesting one. I'm I, gonna I think say it really depends on which side he was on this one. Yeah, do we know what side he was? What side were you, Luke? Oh, do you want me to tell you if I did it or not? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Tell us were you the Keenan Allen had. side or were you the Landry side? Had, have, Keenan Allen. <laughs> <laughs> in that case, no, you did not make this trade, in my opinion. <laughs> Go ahead, JoJo. What do you think? Um, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say you did make the trade. Yeah. All I, right. Well, I, did, I did not make the trade. Oh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm. For me personally, I'm a person that believes that if I'm getting, uh, let's say I have Keenan Allen. And it's going to take Landry and it's going to take Carlos Williams to match that value for me. Keenan Allen plus that empty roster spot that I could pick somebody off off of waivers is still more valuable to me. And the difference between Landry and Carlos Williams being above Keenan Allen, which for me, honestly, is not at all. But if yeah. there was a difference, it would have to be higher to make that happen. So, no, I didn't make the trade. And the- I think the only way you can have Landry even in the same tier 
mm-hmm. is if you're doing return yards. Yeah, I, 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 which I agree, and it's just a straight up dynasty PPR. You know, I mean, I, I, I I'm an Allen believer. I feel that there may be a little bit of regression uh, from what he was doing before he got injured uh, during this year, but at the same time, though. You know, Carlos Williams could be easily, in my mind, supplanted by Jonathan Williams eventually. And, you know, Landry's up in two years, too. So I'd rather have Allen. And I will say I agree with you that Keenan Allen, and see, the reason I I thought you did Keenan Allen is because I know how much you love him. Um, I will say I would have stuck with Keenan Allen as well. However, he's going to see a major regression in targets this year. So I would actually say that he's at a sell high right now for me. Okay. For see, I think that probably a lot of people think he's going into regression. Uh-huh. So I don't know if you could sell high. Like I think maybe I guess comparative to what it what it might be after a couple weeks in season, since it'll probably be lower than it was last year. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people are working under the mentality that he's going to have a regression. Mm. Um, That's a good point. And even if he does have a regression, he's still going to be good like he's still gonna kill it no absolutely i mean in an honesty that i have alan in he's my wide receiver three you know so if i have him i'm not worried about him you know actually i think i have him and in all three leagues that i have him i have nuke and alan robinson as well (laughs) jeez that's awesome yeah well yeah well (laughs) that's three out of 30 (laughs) (laughs) okay well still that's that's good odds um you gotta have one one star league my my home league is the league where i have it's like the all-star league oh i love home leagues (laughs) yeah and i still come in second place it doesn't make sense i came in second place the last two years in a row and i have like the most killer team on paper i should win every single time and i come in second two years in a row you both have been privy to my home league um, list of receivers, which I absolutely love. Um, so, well, now that we've finished, uh, did Luke make the trade? We've got two more segments while we've got JoJo. Um, so the first one, uh, I kind of want to go back to a few podcasts ago, where it was a split podcast where Luke recorded individually with me. And now that the NFL draft is done, I want to look at the four players that I examined, and I want to get you y'all's opinion on. There's that Virginia, y'all. Um, I want to get y'all's opinion on whether or not you would take this player where I have been consistently getting them. Okay? Okay. Okay. So the first player, first of all, the, the four players are David Morgan, DJ Foster, J.C. Coleman, and Braylon Addison. Now, J.C. Coleman is currently playing in the Canadian Football League, so he's off this list. Um, go, J.C. Coleman. Um, <laughs> run, baby, run. Um... But let's start off with David Morgan. I've been consistently getting David Morgan, who's a tight end. For, now he got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and what I like about him is that he has a 6.933 cone. He was a go-to target at UTSA. Um, he has 10.5-inch hands, and he is a wonderful blocker. Um, so he's at, in Minnesota, which means he's technically behind Kyle Rudolph and Michael Pruitt. I've been getting him in the fifth round consistently. Would you take him there? Um, yeah, I mean, if he's a guy that you believe in in the fifth round. No, no, no. Uh, he, he, <laughs> no, well, I'm, I guess 
I have other targets, like we kind of talked about with Kajust. Kajust. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of, I guess, the other thing, of, part of it too, is if most of your leagues are only five rounds. Yeah. Right? I mean, three to five rounds is probably the average. Mm-hmm. Unless you play in, like, a best ball league where it's also free agents, then it's more usually. Mm-hmm. But in the fifth round... Um, I haven't done a lot of research on him, but yeah, I could see, after you say all that, I could see taking him in the fifth round. Sweet. I've got a believer. What about you, Luke? Uh, for me, uh, I, I like the spot uh, because I'd be targeting a, uh, a uh, high-ish upside tight end, but I would be kind of a homer at this point, mm-hmm. and I would rather take uh, Seth DeValve, who's a move tight end in Cleveland, because all he has in front of him is an old man Barnage. Uh, Gary yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I would rather have him, and I could probably get him at the same spot. So that's I'm, that's not saying that I wouldn't take him if uh, Devalve wasn't there, but that's just who I would rather take. Right. All right. So let's look at uh, the next one on my list, and that's Braylon Addison. Braylon Addison landed with the Broncos. He's widely expected to um, beat out Cody Latimer, mm-hmm. and he's got a six nine five three cone. Um, he's converted quarterback really good after the catch, but he is not a complex route guy. He's more of a catch and run guy. I've been getting Addison the the two leagues I got him in so far. I've gotten him in the sixth round, sixth round, but I saw him go literally right before me in a return yards league in the fourth round, which you two are both in with me. Yes. <laughs> so, what do you think about his landing spots? Uh, I actually have him in the Buck Nasty League that I'm in um, with all the Sharks, uh, and I got him at 7.02. Oh, nice. And so at 7.02, I was pretty comfortable grabbing him. Um, at, in the fourth round, even in a return yards league, uh, that's a little too rich for me, um, especially because our league was also IDP. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, in the in the sixth or in the seventh, uh, I could go for it for sure. Well, you look uh, for me. I, I I also I like Addison a lot. I think uh, I think fifth round's pretty. That's probably where I'd start to look at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do think that he's going to. But in in Denver though, I mean, who hasn't already passed over Latimer? You know, I mean, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Jordan Norwood. A lot of guys are, and and who's to say that Latimer won't connect, you know, with the Sanchez or with Lynch. So, I mean, so he still has a chance there too, I guess, but you've got two wide receiver ones up in front, you know, well, I guess one, you know, you have a, I think what, one was the eighth overall, one was the the, uh, 16th overall last year in PPR scoring. So, I mean, so you've got guys up there that are going to be taking all the points away, but you have like four bodies right now at wide receiver fighting for the scraps and everything and i think he could shine but if he gets return years that's where it's going to be yeah i agree so last one guys don't break my heart (laughs) dj foster i've been getting dj uh he went right before me in the third round of that exact same draft where where braylon asson went right before me in the fourth round Mm -hmm. come on but um, I've been targeting him as early as the fourth round sometimes because I'm so high on him, and he landed with the New England Patriots. Um, he was a priority free agent for them. He got four phone calls um, immediately after the draft was done, and uh, Bill Belichick 
got him to sign. And he got the second highest um, guaranteed salary on that UDFA team. So what do you guys think about DJ Foster, fourth and fifth round? Um, so I saw him go in a league at 6'10". Mm-hmm. Um, so fourth round is probably a little bit too early. Uh, fifth round, I can see you taking him there, I guess, if you know he's your target guy. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about him, but, I mean, New England, the way that they do running back um, with just going with the hot hand whenever they damn well please. <laughs> um, I'm really hoping that Lewis can just hold on to it, but, you know, that's uh, New England likes to smash all of our hopes and dreams. Yeah, I hope yeah. he does too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, late round uh, running back flyer, um I could see doing like later fifth or sixth round. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about you, Luke? All Come right. Uh, first off, real quick, uh, what does Roto World, also known as MFL, have him at right now? He's listed as a wide receiver right now. I like that better for him mm-hmm. just because of what jojo just said about running backs there the way they do running backs there is it's not good business for uh guys from udfa you know if, if he stuck around as there i'd be afraid he would be just a camp body but at wide receiver i feel he has a better chance to make the team even if he basically does a little bit of both right uh that being said i may target him in the fifth round you know uh because i i see what you see you know i, I watched some of the uh the tape on him and stuff and so i think that there's something there i just i wish he would have been drafted so i felt better about the uh you know his uh draft pedigree yeah so do i i wish he would have been drafted so that i wouldn't have to have this conversation <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. I, I i hope uh i hope that i answered all your questions i think you did because I, the reason i brought that up is because i wasn't able to discuss the, any of those players with you guys and i wanted mm-hmm. to kind of revisit it and kind of now that they've landed, and I wanted to talk about where they where they ended up, so that at least the listeners can get more than just my view on them. Um, so, well, thank you guys for that. To last thing, last question while we got JoJo, let's end on a great note. <laughs> so, if you were in a 12-team startup draft that was drafting comic book characters, hero or villain, to compete against one another. Who would you take at the 101, and who would you hope is still available there at the 212, 301 turn for you? So you're drafting three guys to compete against other pe- other superheroes or supervillains. Um, man, so you sent me this question, and I've been trying to think about it, and it's a tough question. Oh, yeah. Because uh, there's just so many good characters. Um. <laughs> I feel like with the first round should all be like, um, uh, I don't know, like astronomical characters. Like you got your Thanos and your Dark Side and stuff like that. Um, Absolutely. And so I think, um, uh, I think I would do the son of Thanos. Oh. Um, who's in uh, the Infinity series. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and he's just kind of like just a badass. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, uh, I mean, it's it's all Thanos type uh, powers and stuff, but even to a bigger extent. And in the series, Thanos is trying to find his son and kill him because he knows that he could be overtaken by his own kid. Um, <laughs> so awesome. I think at 101, uh, that's where I'm going to go. <laughs> that's a good 101. Uh, when I was writing that up, mine was actually Galactus. Galactus. <laughs> I like that. That's a really good one, yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 I like Son of Thanos. All right, cool. So what you hope was sitting there at the turn? Um, uh, more good questions. Um, while you're thinking of that, um, uh, real quick, um, uh, Noah, do you uh, do you have a one? Uh, oh yeah. Oh man, I'm trying to figure that out right now. Because uh, <laughs> I, oh, god damn. Uh, excuse me. Um, I, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who I had. Um, I think this is gonna sound weak. Did you watch I, tape on him? I, yeah, I did watch tape. Come on. I think Doomsday. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, because you can't kill him. You really can't defeat Doomsday. Yeah. All right. Because he will always come back, which is kind of a cop-out. But in my opinion, I think he's like I think he's like the Ben Roethlisberger of, of comic book. Because he'll just break him, but he'll keep going. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that's I think a good Doomsday pick. I like that one. Well, Doomsday would be my one on one, which is funny because he's a villain, and we all just pick villains. Well, I mean, you you almost had to pick villains though. I mean, there's teams of superheroes that are fighting singular villains. That's true. <laughs> you know. So um, yeah. I'll go ahead and lead off with who I would like to have there at the two twelve and three hundred one turn. Um, so I, after taking Doomsday at the one on one, I'd like to round up my team. By taking uh, Red Hulk at uh, 212. Okay. Because he's a smart version of the Hulk. I just uh, checked. He's available. Yeah, good. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I would I would take Doctor Strange at the 301. Oh, nice. All right, yeah. all right. Take that. What you got? I really like the Doctor Strange pick. So do I. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good one. Um, I, I was thinking um, Silver Surfer will probably be there. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. um, and he, because he's not a huge, I guess, not a fan. I don't know that there's a lot of fan favorites for that likes Silver Surfer, but I, he's a badass, so I'll take him. He's um, a badass. And then 201, I think I go with Lobo. Because he's another guy that you really can't kill. Oh, wow. Um, Out of left field. And, yeah, he's he's my sleeper, right? Uh, <laughs> he's your DJ Because he just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'll go Lobo. And not the new sissy one that they tried to make, but, like, the original old school one with lots of violence and swearing. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that a lot. And it's funny because I was thinking about going Lobo, too. Um, but then Ryan Reynolds... Uh, talk me back to Deadpool. Oh, beautiful. So I'm doing, uh, act for my turn, it's uh, Deadpool and Wolverine for the healing factor and just badassery. You know, honestly, I consider, now that you've brought Deadpool into the mix, I'd consider him at 101 just for the sheer entertainment factor. And then I'd just be the taco <laughs> of the league and I'd draft, I'd draft Deadpool at 101 and Ladypool at 212 and Dogpool and Kidpool at 301 and you see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just did a Gwen for a little bit there too. 
Did they really? Uh-huh. Yeah, wow. the drawings of Gwenpool are pretty cool. I haven't... I've seen a couple of, like, cover, you know, drawings and stuff. Well, mm-hmm. now that yeah. we've uh, we've sufficiently driven our non-fantasy foot... Our, our fantasy football people who don't know anything about comic books mad. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you, listeners. Um, <laughs> I would uh, I would like to go ahead and thank Jojo for coming on to our podcast, um, and I want to um, just remind you to go check out his stuff. Um, he does a lot of work um, Dynasty at Under the Helmet, which is uth.com. Uh, you can check out his written blog at jojomagsff.wordpress.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Jojo L Mags. That stands for Jojo Lewis Mags. You don't need to know that, but I just want to throw it in there. Um, <laughs> Uh, I really appreciate you appreciate you coming on, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, I didn't ramble too much. No, you were uh, fine. Thank you so much for coming on. You will be yeah. welcome back with open arms. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Hopefully, we can uh, have some more fun on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Thank you so much. I am uh, to wrap this up. Uh, you can follow Luke and I uh, on Twitter. I am at grounding ff. Luke is at intentional underscore G. As you're going through your rookie drafts, I want to remind you all uh, that you can tweet at either of us. Just make sure you tag both of us in the tweet with uh, any rookie draft questions you have when you're on the clock. Uh, We will answer them as soon as possible. That way we can uh, go ahead and add a little bit extra value for our listeners. You can check out our website, intentionalgroundingff.com. Listen to us on iTunes. Um, You can check out our SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash intentionalgroundingff. And uh, please email us any questions you have at intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. What's that, Luke? Intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. I am Noah Downs, and he is... Luke Bisson. And you are... That's JoJo. JoJo Mags. Whoa! And and this has been the Intentional Grounding Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks.